0: It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Gospel of John tonight. I will, I promise you, I will get back to the book of Proverbs. I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, do you not want me to teach on Proverbs? He says, I do, but I want you to do it the way I want you to. <laughs> So we do things his way, amen. I may teach two or three chapters in Proverbs, then we'll get off on something else. But if you remember what got us off on that is God desiring to get you through what you're currently going through and get your answer that's in your heart, in the word, and in your spirit into your hands. How many want the answer in your hands? You want the you want the pain out of your body, you want the prosperity in your pocketbook, you want the peace in your mind. I mean, that literally you've got to make a decision and you've got to desire that and you've got to work towards that. We've said this several times. God doesn't bless lazy. Amen. There is something unique about being faithful to God that God blesses. He blesses faithfulness, faithfulness to His Word, faithfulness to pray, faithfulness to come to church, faithfulness to sit under the teaching of the Word of God, faithful to praise, to worship, to glorify God. All of these things are attributes in which faith operates in you so that you can see the provision of God in your hand. I mean, you want the blessing of God, you're going to have to be faithful. And one of the key indications that you are a man or a woman of faith is that you are faithful. Can I get a better amen? One of the key indications that you are a man or a woman of faith is that you are faithful. Now, did you find the Gospel of John chapter 10? John chapter 10. Let's begin there in verse 7. It says, Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Everybody say, the door of the sheep. Now at this point, he's speaking about Israel. Everybody say Israel. Remember the Syrophoenician woman came to him. She had a a, a demon-possessed daughter, and, and, and Jesus spoke that first phrase that Jesus said, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Amen. So this is speaking of Israel. We get included down in, uh, let's see, what verse is it? Uh, Verse 16. And other sheep I have. Well, there's us right there. Everybody say, I'm the other sheep. That's talking about us. Now notice, verse 8. And all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. Everybody say, I am the door. Speaking of Jesus. By me, if any man enter in, He shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Now, what could that mean? What do you mean in and out? What do you mean find pasture? Well, actually, remember Jesus, when He teaches, He's he's teaching spiritual concepts, precepts, and He's imparting unto us spiritual truths. So what do we, as believers, go in and out of? We go in and out of the natural and the spirit realm. Let me say that again. We go in and out of the natural and the spirit realm. We're in the natural realm. We go into the spirit realm, secure and procure that which belongs to us by faith. We go back to the natural realm and make application of it. Did you get that? That's literally how faith should operate and how faith should work. Now, notice what it says here. It says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. He shall go in and out. And find pasture. Now, this literally means the only legal way to go in and out of the spirit realm is through Jesus. Amen. Now, you say, "Now, why can? Why do you say that, Pastor?" Because He came into humanity legally. You say, "What do you mean legally?" He legally came through the womb of the wo- womb of the woman. He was birthed by water. Everybody say, "By water." Because of that, he made a legal entrance into humanity. That gave him a right to open a door. Now, now, do you remember anybody else from the spirit realm that came into humanity? Anybody remember? There was somebody called the devil, Satan, Lucifer. Now, how did he come? He came illegally. How did he come? He got into the body of a serpent, spoke through a serpent, which is illegal. You can't do that. But remember, his nature is criminal. He did it anyway. That's his nature. Uh, He doesn't have the right to make you sick. He does it anyway. He doesn't have the right to mess with your finances. He does it anyway. He doesn't have the right to mess with your mind. He does it anyway. He's illegal. He's an illegal agent. But Jesus did it legally. Righteous and just. Everybody say righteous and just. I am the door by me. If any man or woman enter in, he shall be saved. So thank God we entered in. He shall go in and out and find what? Pasture. Now what does every sheep need? Good food, pasture, amen? Good food, good. And Jesus said, I'm going to lead you in and out, in and out. And every time I do, you're going to find some good stuff to eat. Good stuff. And I don't mean we're all going to pack up and go to Guido's tonight. That means you're going to get good spiritual nutrition, amen, that is conducive to you being a healthy sheep. Everybody say, I'm a healthy sheep. Say, I'm a healthy sheep. Because healthy sheep reproduce. Now, notice verse 10. Now, now verse 10 is literally what I would call the dividing line of truth in the gospel. Now, now listen. If we could settle this verse in Christianity, I'm telling you it would bring, bring a major change to Christianity. If we could just settle this one verse right here. Now, notice what it says. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now notice that. The thief. Who, who's he talking about? He's talking about the devil. He's talking about Satan. So what does Satan do? He comes to steal. He comes to kill. He comes to destroy. God does not steal, kill, or destroy. I remember when, when the uh, that horrible uh, tsunami hit over there in Indonesia. Uh, that happened back in 2004, in December of 2004. We were, we were deer hunting up at the King Ranch, so when we were driving up there, uh, 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 we were listening to this drama being played out on the radio and on the way back. And over and over and over and over, that was referred to as an act of God. That was not an act of God. He said, well, only God can produce a wave like that. No, no, no. That was an act of the devil. It came to steal It came to kill. It came to destroy. Now, let me just say something. Anything in your life that comes to steal, kill, and destroy is not of God. Now, let me say something. You ought to write this down because this is an important point. God does not need to take on the nature of his adversary to teach you something. Well, I tell you, God just put this on me to teach me something. No, he didn't. He does not put cancer on people's bodies. He does not cause bankruptcy and divorce. He does not cause all these negative things to happen so that He can teach us something. God teaches us by His Word. His Word, revelation, knowledge. The Holy Ghost is our teacher. The Word of God is our teacher. Listen, even the phrase, experience is the best teacher, that's not true either. I did some things when I was wild and crazy. I didn't ever learn anything by it. Come on, Church. I mean, how many of you were involved in lifestyle and you thought, well, I really learned something this time, but you didn't learn it. You were back doing the same thing two days later. Come on, church. You did not learn anything by that experience. Experience is not the best teacher. Jesus is the best teacher. And listen, if we'll let him be our teacher, there'll be a whole lot of experiences that we'll avoid. Now, the thief cometh not, but for it to steal, kill, and destroy. I am come. Now, this is Jesus speaking. I am come that you might have life. Everybody say life. Life. And that you might have it more abundantly. Now, the Lord really impressed me for tonight to teach on what I would call the life issue. Now, one thing I like about, about America, about the United States, because I've been in many other countries. I think I've been in 22 or 23 different nations. There are nations in this world and listen, if you're from one, well, we're praying for you. Amen. We're believing God for every nation to be like this. But there are nations in this world where life just don't mean that much. It's just a lot. I don't know how to describe it. It's just not valued as much as it seems to be valued here in America. Now, let me just say this, and if you don't like it, we well, praise God, get healed later. Life is a good thing. Life is valuable. Now the word life here is the word zoe. Everybody say zoe. That literally means the type or the quality of life that God himself enjoys. But if you don't understand the concept or the precept of what life really is, then how can you understand the quality of life in which God enjoys? Amen. So I set about to study some things about life. I got my notebook and I know every time I do pull out a notebook around here, y'all get a little nervous because I'm not much of a note preacher, amen? I remember preaching in a college station for, I did eight services in in four days and the pastor came to me and said, I don't see how you did that without any notes. I said, well, I got them all in my brain, in my spirit, amen? Jesus said, I am come that you might have life. Everybody say life. So Jesus wants you to have life. Now, let me say this. Just because an individual exists, that does not mean he or she has life. Let me say that again. Just because an individual existence is not the proof of life. Amen. So I begin, to, I begin to look at all kinds of uh, the, 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 the biblical definitions, the, the, the Webster's Collegiate Dictionary, and I begin to write some things down. Number one, there is the quality or that which is a quality that distinguishes something that is vital and functioning from that which is dormant. Uh, uh, a rose bush as compared to a rock. You understand that? You got got a rock over here, and you got a rose bush over here, and that rose bush is doing what? It's vital and it's functioning. If you'll watch it, if you'll water it, you'll take care of it. You'll get flowers. You'll notice change taking place. You'll see life happening. Amen. Uh, It says uh, it is a principal force. Now listen to this. A principal force that determines the existence of something that grows Produces or functions, it will possess the qualities of reaction to stimuli and reproduction. Now, think about that a minute. You know, you go over and kick a rock, it doesn't turn around and say, ow. But you kick your dog, he'll yelp. He'll react to stimuli. You pet him, he'll react. You see what I'm talking about? But, but something dormant, something with no life in it, is not going to respond to that. Now, you, be, you begin to think about these different qualities. Uh, another, another thing, it said a period, uh, a period from birth to death. But then I like this one here, that which encompasses your life. You ever heard the term, get a life? You know, that which encompasses your life is also called life. Every one of us have a different life, which we can define as what? Our lifestyle. Uh, most of us around here, we live on the coast. We live in Galveston. We live on, in Galveston County. Most of us, the influences that are upon our life are different than other regions of the United States. We live a coastal lifestyle. Uh, you know, we don't walk around with big over, overcoats on all the time. We need air conditioning. Come on. Uh, there are other vital needs that we have. You know, when I was in I was in Ireland just a, a few weeks ago, and they don't even have air conditioning over there. They don't need it. But without it here, we'd suffer. So our life, now notice, even though there's life in Ireland and life in Galveston, our life is different. So actually there are things that define us because of life or living. Amen? That which is, now listen to this definition. That which is unseen, affecting the seen. Now, the definition that gave, that was in one of the collegiate dictionaries. That definition referred to saying something about a, a singer singing, uh, uh, it referred to someone singing the national, national anthem at a sports event. And the, and the comment was made, man, there was some life in that. Amen. I remember there was a, who was it? It was right after 9-11 that, I believe it was Whitney Houston, sang the national anthem at the Super Bowl that year. And it just, I, I think that was the best I ever heard the national anthem sung. It had patriotism, it had talent, it had, it had gifting, but it had life. You see what I'm saying? Uh, there's things that people do that have life in it. You see what I'm saying? So there is this force in us that's God-given. Now, one thing we must understand is everything about God is His desire to get more and more life to us Because we exist in a place where death is so prevalent. So he is wanting in every way, in every possible way, to get life. Life into us. New life through salvation. Life into our bodies through healing. Life into our finances through prosperity. Life into our minds through joy and peace. Life into us. But in order to do that, we've got to handle the word of life. Now Jesus said, I am come that you might have it. Everybody say, have it. Now, so I went through, I started going through the scriptures. Now, listen to this. All these different references to life. There's the tree of life, the fountain of life. The Bible says, with long life, he'll satisfy us and show us how uh, his salvation. The Bible says, uh, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Uh, uh, Jesus said, take no thought for your life. He gave his life. He gives everlasting life. He is the bread of life. He came that we might have life. Uh, You shall have the light of life. He is the resurrection in the life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is that life that is, he is the son that hath life. He is our life with Christ. The letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. And he is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now that's just, that's just about that much of a column about that long. And I could have gone on and on and on and on out of my strong concordance and written phrase after phrase after phrase after phrase after phrase after phrase phrase that it referred to the interaction of God with man, mankind, and humanity so that mankind could have life. God did not design us to be involved with death in any way. I've said it at funerals and people winch when I say it. But when a man or a woman lies in a casket, that's not natural. People say, it's just natural to die. No, it's not natural. It goes against the law of the spirit of life. God did did not create the human being in any way to die. But what happened? Sin came in. And when sin came in, death came in with it. Its evil brother came in there. And now we have physical death. We have spiritual death. We have eternal death. We have death in relationships. We have death in finances. We have death working in people's bodies. We have death in governments. We have death in all kinds of areas of, 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 of interaction in the world. I mean, death is just loosed and rampant, and the Bible calls it the last enemy. But thank God, Jesus said, I am come that you might have it. So if He came that we might have it, we need to have it. Now, go if you will real quick to Hebrews, then we'll go to James. Hebrews 4. Oh, I tell you, we get to handling this powerful force of the life of God, there ain't no stopping us. Hebrews chapter 4. Very familiar portion of scripture, verse twelve. There, let me get there real quick. Hebrews verse, chapter four, verse twelve. Now, notice, King James says, "For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of thunder, the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart." I like the Amplified. For the word that God speaks is alive. Oh, let me try that again. For the word that God speaks is alive. That means God's word is what? Life. It is a life force. The word that God speaks is alive, full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. I ain't got time for the word. You ain't got time for life. Come on, church. Well, I, I, I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't have time. I'm telling you, I'm busy, busy, busy. I'm busy. I got a job. I got kids. I got this. I got that. And I'm just too. Then what you're saying is that you're comfortable in living in the process of death as you exist upon this planet when you could be drinking of the waters and eating of the bread of life that's going to enhance your job, enhance your career, and enhance everything about you being a dad or a mom or anything else in life. Everything that imparts life enhances life. Everything that pulls away from life is death and is of the devil. The thief comes but for to steal, kill, and destroy. Listen, when you sit in church, God's not stealing your time. Let me try that again. Some of you need to hear that. When you sit in church, God is not stealing your time. He is not a thief. He is imparting life. When you give in the offering, He's not stealing your money. He's imparting life to your finances. Come on, church. When you begin to realize everything I interact with God in, the Word of God, I am interacting with life. And life has a funny way of getting on you. Life has a funny way of getting in you. Life has a funny way of affecting you and producing what? Producing what we just read about life. Producing vitality, vigor, power, and reproduction. For the Word of God is alive, the Word that God speaks, alive, full of power. Oh, we need some power, Pastor. There it is right there. The Word of God is what? Full of power. Making it what? Active. Every other document document on the earth, every other book written is dormant. No matter, no matter how, how many times you've read that novel, it's still dormant. Amen. You can't take anything out of that novel and apply it to your life, and it produce life. Amen. Come on, church. So, well, I, I read a good book on nutrition. Well, good, that'll help you eat right. But it doesn't impart life. Amen. Well, I read a good book on taking vitamins. Well, great, take your vitamins. But that doesn't impart life. Amen. Amen. But this book, every time you open the book, every time it's taught to you, every time you embrace it, you are partaking of life. Mm -mm -mm. Making it active Operative He watches over his word to perform it The word of God shall not return void But it shall accomplish that where to it is sent And prosper in the thing in which it was sent to This is an operative word That means it operates It works It works I said it works The word works In every area The word works You just got to be willing to work it Mm-mm. I preach myself happy. Energizing. So why do you get so excited over the word? Well, you get up here and talk, talk about the word for an hour and see what it does to you. It energizes you. Man, I get into meetings and conferences and go day after day after day, two and three services a day. Man, I come out of there and It takes It takes me two three hours to go back to the hotel room just get where I can go to sleep. Sometimes I've been up to three or four in the morning, just well, this is useless. I, there ain't nothing on TV, nothing I want to watch. I think I'll just get up and pray and worship God a while, and that just makes me more awake. <laughs> Amen. It's energizing. I mean, every time you get a rhema word from God, notice how it energizes you. I, I listened to a guy teach the other day on the on the on the little deal I have in my truck, and, and he was talking about getting a particular revelation from the Word of God and how he got up and danced three times. He said, I got in bed, and I woke up, I thought about it, got up and danced around the bed. He said, I went back to sleep, got up, thought about it, got up and danced around the bed. Uh, Got back in bed, went to sleep, got up three times in the night, got up and danced around. Well, I was in Hawaii. We were fixing to do a crusade in Hawaii. Leah, Leah, I was flying her over, waiting for her to get there. I'd flown over to fast and pray for a couple of days, and I was in a hotel room meditating on Hebrews Chapter 9, verse 12, not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by his own blood, and he wants it to the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. And it was like a, I don't know if you remember the old flash cube cameras. How many remember those? That might date me, amen? But they used to have these old cameras, some of you young people won't believe this, but they used to have these cameras that you put a cube on the top of it. And you'd push a button and it'd, fly, it'd flash and the, and the cube would turn. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. I know some of you don't, but, you know, (laughs) believe us. It's the truth. Amen. But, you know, like that camera would flash. But, you know, they still have flashes in cameras today. And if you've ever noticed, if if you've ever had a camera flash in your eyes, you can close your eyes and see the imprint. Now, it was like a camera flash happened to me in a millisecond. And I could see the, the mercy seat. And I could see the blood. And it was the reddest red I ever saw in my life. And it wasn't some dead, uh, dried up. uh, The only way I could describe it is it was glistening. It was life. The blood was not dead. It was alive. That was the blood of Jesus. I got up and took off around that room. And my window was open. I was going to dive out the window. But then I remembered I was four stories up. So I just dove on the bed. But that revelation, when it hit me, it produced so much life. There was life in that room. I was energized with that life for days. You say, why? Well, that's what the Word of God does. That's why you need to embrace the Word of God as what it is. You say, what do you mean? It is the Word of God, and God is life. The Word of God is what? Active, operative, energizing, and effective. It's sharper than any two-edged sword penetrating the dividing line of the breath of life, the soul, the immortal spirit, and the joints and the marrow of the of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing, sifting, analyzing, and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. Man, that's we could go on, on that all night. Go to James real quick. I need to bring this to a conclusion. James chapter 2 now. Let's make an application of this to faith. Because using your faith to get you through what you're currently go through. Everybody knows, I've taught on this for years, begins with the Word. Well, what do you believe in God for? I'm just believing God, He can do anything. You're not getting nothing. You're not. What are you believing? I'm believing by His stripes, I was healed. If I was, then I am. If I am, then I are. Or the other way, Amen. What are you believing? I'm believing my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory. See, now you got some life. Now, James chapter 2, I'm going to pull some scriptures up. Verse 17. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Verse 20. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Now, let's, let's flip the truth here, let's, let's the reciprocal of the truth. Let's take and turn it around. Let's put it in a mirror. Here's how it goes. Even so faith, if it has works, is alive, not being by itself. Are you like that? But wilt thou know, O humble man, that faith with works is alive. You got that? Uh, The last, the last, verse 26. For as the body with the spirit is alive, so faith with works is alive also. Now you've got to get to the place in your faith where your faith is living. You say, why? What do we read about life? It reproduces. There needs to be the reproduction process of that which is on this page to that which is in your life. Let me say that again. The reproduction process of that which is on this page to that which is in your life. That's what you handle, that which you possess, that which is yours. It's yours legally already. What's it saying in 2 Peter 1? All things that pertain unto life and godliness are given to us by the precious promises of God that so by that we can be partakers of the divine. It's yours. Healing's yours. Prosperity's yours. Joy's yours. Righteousness yours. Salvation. It's all yours. It's yours. Legally, it's yours. But now, if you were to give me something legally, amen, I've always used cars and boats and things like that because people can relate to it. So say you were going to give me a, a, a new boat. You're going to go down and, you know, go buy me an ice boat. You know, not just a little P-Row with two oars. Amen. But, you, you know, you're going to buy me a 65-foot Grady White with four, four Mercury 400s. I saw those the other day. Amen. On the back of it. Something that, that cost a lot. Are you with me? That had a huge price tag. Now, You could come and hand me the documentation of that, which would have not only the dealer's name on it, but there would be legal language on there transferring ownership of the purchased possession from the individual that had it to me. I'm sure there would probably be other things in there like keys and switches and and other things that went to it, but mainly the most important part of the package is the documentation, the legal wording that transfers ownership. I'm going to let that sit with you a minute. You say, why? Because we have the legal documentation of that which transfers ownership right here in the Word of God. Now, if you gave me that at great cost and came down to Galveston one day and saw me over in Office Bio, oaring around in a beat up old flat bottom boat, not worth $10, you would think to yourself, what's wrong? Amen. So you came to me and you said, man, I gave you a you know, $750,000. 65-foot 60 foot, Grady White with four motors on the back, and you're out there rowing around in a boat. What's the problem? I said, yeah, well, the deal was, you know, I really don't like that package you gave me because I really don't understand everything that it says because you got to take that package. you got to go to Texas Parks and Wildlife. you got to pay your taxes on it. You gotta you gotta get uh, uh, the, the transference, even though it's been made legally because of the purchase price, there's still an act you have to perform for that boat to be what's legally yours, that which you can legally experience. You see what I'm saying? So there's a process involved. I gotta take that package down. I gotta go down to Texas Parks and Wildlife. I gotta fill out a form there. I've got to get numbers to put on that boat to make it legal. There's a little sticker that will go on the side that's got the state of Texas. It's got a number on it. All of that now gives me the legal right to use that which is legally mine. Now, the same thing is true of the Word of God. In order for you to experience what legally belongs to you, you must be willing to go through the process. Now, we've said this for years and it bears repeating. What has eroded the processes of humanity is comfort. Many of the processes that that our forefathers had to practice, we don't practice anymore. I mean, you know, most of us don't have a cow to get milk from. But you go back 200 years, everybody that needed milk had to have a cow. We don't raise chickens for eggs. I mean, some people might, but I, I mean, I don't. I go to the store to get my eggs, Amen. I don't raise hogs for bacon. I go and get a uh, uh, the the what is it, Hormel or whoever we buy uh, uh, bacon. I get it's the processes have been usurped for comfort's sake. I remember the first Burger King they built over in Pasadena. This was way back in the '60s, and how you had to get out of your car and go in to get your Whopper, but now all you have to do is drive through. I saw a deal on TV the other day where you ain't even got to go shopping anymore. You can get on your computer and go do your shopping list and they got people that will come pick it up and bring it to you. But see, we've tried to make application of that to spiritual things and it's not going to work because God has not gotten rid of any of his processes. So you're still going to have what? Faith that is living which means you must get to the point in which you act on what the Word says. Now, let me close with this. This will help you. A little thumbnail sketch. How does it begin? begins with the Word. You have a problem. Death is working in your life. Death is working in your body through a sickness or a disease or an injury. Death is working in your finances through, through poverty and lack. Uh, death may be working in your mind through depression or whatever it may be then you get into the Word of God. You have the Word taught to you. You read the Word. You seek. You knock. You ask. And you get a Word from God. That Word is what the Greek calls logos. It's the written Word of God. But that Word must become rhema. That's the process of taking what legally belongs to you and making it what you experience. You get the logos Word of God. My God shall supply all of my need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So you embrace that. You meditate upon You don't just look at it one time and say okay that's mine We talked about this on Tuesday morning When I, when I first met Leah uh, I, I shook her hand like this ah. She said I'm Leah I said I'm Rusty That's called an introduction When you come to the church And have the word of God taught to you You don't get it You don't get it All you get is an Introduction that's why I exhort people, bring a notebook, bring your, bring your computer. we got all these people using computers. Bring a, write in your Bible, write down notes, because you've got to go past the introduction. So Lee and I, I'll use us as an example, Lee and I went past an introduction, and we began a little fellowship together. And over a period of a couple of months, out of that fellowship came a relationship, and once relationships started, we had to start discussing covenant. You say, what do you mean by that? We start talking about getting married. And so 31 years ago, we got married. We went into a covenant relationship. How'd that start? started with an introduction. The Word of God is the same way. When you hear something taught, when you hear something preached, or you're just going through the Word, reading, meditating, something jumps out of the page on you, you get something, that supernatural thing like happened to me over in Hawaii. Happened. God is saying, the process has begun. Don't stop it. Now that you've got a word, fellowship in that word. Go look and see how many translations you can get. Define it. Look at the words in your strong. Write it down over and over and over. Do more than memorize. Meditate on it until it becomes a part of you. You're fellowshipping in that word. Next thing you know, you'll have a relationship with that word. Where's my notebook? Where's that CDs I was listening to? Well, honey, you've been listening to them CDs for five years. I'm still listening to them in GC. you have a relationship with that thing. What will that produce? That will manifest the covenant which already belongs to you in Jesus' name. Amen. In order to do that, once it gets in your heart, how does it have to? Got to get in your mouth. You got to speak it. You got to say it. You got to speak to your mountain. You got to speak to your job. You got to speak to your debt. You got to speak to your lack. You got to speak to whatever it is. You've got to get the word of God in your mouth. Amen. Then, the word of God in your heart and mouth. The Word of God in your heart and mouth is still what? Dead. It demands what? Action. If you will stay with it, you will get to the point where either by the Word of God it's revealed or by the Spirit it's revealed. This is what you need to do. Now, most of it's right in the Word. You say, well, Pastor, I'll tell you, I need some life in my finances. tithe and offer. Amen. Tithe and offer. You say, Why? It will put life in your finances. If you don't, death's already working in it. Uh, you don't need a special word. Thus saith the Lord, thou shalt bring a tenth unto the... You don't, need to do, you don't need that. It's in the word. I said it's in the word. But there are other things where you need a specific direction from God. You say, what do I do? You stand on the word, continually confessing the word, worshiping God, thanking God for your answer. What are you doing? You're handling life. Life is coming into you. Life is coming out of you. Life is working in you and through you and all around you. Then you act upon that word and what happens? Then your faith becomes what? Living. And that's the last thing the devil wants to happen. That's where he will fight you over and over and over again. Is in your act of faith. You say, why is that? Because he knows once your faith becomes living, there's nothing He can do to stop it. There's nothing He can do to stop it. You say, why? You have gone in and out. You have gone in and out. You have gone, you've come out of that sheepfold into pasture. You've come back in with what you got from that pasture, and you've done what? You've affected your natural life with something supernatural. You've brought life, the life of God, Into the area in which death is trying to work No wonder the devil fights people so hard Now listen Last thing I'll say Don't be intimidated By stepping out and doing something And it being wrong That's where most people blow it right there Well I did it and it didn't work Must not have been God Don't do that you can do something a thousand times and it not work. But the one time that it does will radically change your life. Amen. And why, with everything else in life, we do, we began at the level of failure. Walking, talking, you name the, any skill that you had, you didn't start out as an expert with that. You started out at the level of failure and worked your way up into success. Then how come every person thinks that when it comes to spiritual things, if you don't get it perfect the first time, then forget it. It ain't going to work. That's crazy. That's just your first experience with it. Get up off the ground. Dust yourself off. Get on down the road. Do it the next time. Well, it didn't work. Do it the next time. It didn't work. Do it the next time. When doing it, You will get confidence. You will stay faithful. God judges your heart. You will figure out you're doing the right thing. And then that one act of faith that you know is his will for you, you'll do it. And life will enter into that situation. And death will depart. You get that tonight? Lift your hands up and worship God. Father, we worship you this evening. Thank you for your word. Thank you that the entrance of your word. Oh, hallelujah. The entrance of your word brings light and life to us. Thank you, Father. The words that you speak, Lord Jesus, they are spirit and they are life. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We thank you, Heavenly Father. Now stand on your feet. Say this out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Life is working in me death has to go. Leave my body. Leave my finances. Leave my business. Leave my job. Thank you, Father. Your life is affecting every area of my life. Thank you, Lord. It's in my body. It's in my finances. It's in my relationships. It's in every area of my life. Thank you, Father. I am a living being not just existing till death runs its course, but I have, I possess, I have the life of God, the life of God, the life of God's in me, the life of God's in me, the life of God's in me, me, and I thank you, Lord. Now worship Him and thank Him. Come on, thank Him. Come on, thank Him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Every time you speak the word, you're speaking life to that situation. Every time you speak the word, you're speaking life to that situation. And no matter how dead it may look, no matter how death looks like it's come in and taken that whole situation over, you continue to speak life. Because just as light is greater than darkness, I'm telling you, you can have the whole world dark but if you got one little pin light, that one little pin light will dispel all of that darkness. And I'm telling you, light and life, that's Jesus right there. He is the light of the world. He is the life of the world. And He's in you. Amen. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you also for that life in Psalms 91 that we declare over Island Church. That no evil befalls us. No plague comes in our dwelling place angels have charge over us so we declare whether we travel on the highways the airways the seaways or the railways that life that life encompasses us we are protected we're safe in the righteous labor of our hands lord as we go forth and work in our in in the resource you've given us our jobs our businesses handle that which is you've given us to do thank you father we're not subject to trauma, to terror, to evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. We abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We abide under that life of God. Thank you, Father, that the door of utterance is open for us. Let us carry life out out of this church. Let us be loaded down with the bread of life and the water of life, and let us share that life with all of those that are so hurting, so broken by death, so beat up by that which the world, the flesh, and the devil produces. Thank you, Father, that will be an answer to their prayer, a problem to the adversary, and a miracle in someone's life. Thank you as we leave tonight. We walk in faith and love towards you. We love you so much, Heavenly Father. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors you've called us to be. Thank you, Lord. Here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the word. Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today.